Hello, everyone. Today's commentary concerns an event that I had the honor of participating in. It was the Million March for Kids recently that happened on September the 20th, 2023, across the country. And in the aftermath of that, I, I collected my thoughts and decided to write a piece for you. And here it is. It's called Battleground Family. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is an avowed, self-proclaimed feminist. That makes him part of an ideological group dedicated to complete destruction of traditional marriage and the nuclear family in service of the leftist revolutionary goal of liberating women. Consequently, for him, parental rights have become a far-right political issue. It may be that he did not mean to disparage millions of parents in recent months by lumping them in with other far-right radicals like white supremacists, but that he did so speaks to his tendency to shoot from the lip. It is hardly surprising, then, that the man who has often denounced partisanship while urging conciliation once again used inflammatory rhetoric recently to alienate a large segment of the Canadian polity. Trudeau's divisive language in this vein first arose in the wake of New Brunswick Premier Blaine Higgs' May decision to make controversial changes to gender rules in that province's schools. One major change is that parental consent would be required for trans or non-binary students under the age of 16 to change names or pronouns in school. Higgs, who weathered a revolt of his own caucus over the policy, defended it as taking a strong position for families. Higgs is at least open and transparent, pardon the pun, about making parental rights a political issue, and he is even willing to fight an election over it. Quote, I believe strongly in the case of finding a solution here where we do not exclude parents in their child's life, end quote. In most of Canada, it is now official policy to keep parents in the dark if their own children come out as trans to teachers. These guidelines have been brought in by stealth, without discussion with parents, and in some cases, at a tremendous human cost. One anecdotal story about a nine-year-old girl in Saskatchewan is particularly heart-wrenching. The poor girl found it impossible to fit in at her school because she could not embrace the transgender ideology being fed her there. She was what we once called a tomboy, but the teachers at school kept trying to convince her that she was actually a boy. Now, this contradicted everything that she had been taught at home, and she was afraid to tell her mother about what was happening at school. An outcast at school and a misfit at home, she took her own life after leaving her mother a note explaining why she had done it. God made a mistake on me, she said, so I'm going to ask him why. So into this highly charged and emotional debate, where one hopes that balance, sense, and respect might reign, steps our vaunted PM. Speaking before a friendly crowd at the Rainbow Railroad Freedom Party in Toronto, a not-for-profit pro-LGBTQ plus organization, Trudeau got typically carried away in the moment saying, quote, Far-right political actors are trying to outdo themselves with the types of cruelty and isolation they can inflict on these already vulnerable people. Right now, trans kids are being told they don't have the right to be their true selves, that they need to ask permission. Well, Trans kids need to feel safe, not targeted by politicians. We have to stand against this. We have to stand up for the freedoms we believe in and continue our work of letting love be louder than hate, end quote. To be clear, what he stands against is a policy giving parents the right to be told by teachers whether their children may be transitioning to a different gender. 
Those who disagree are branded far-right. Families are still the bedrock of society. Any far-reaching changes need to be the subject of full and frank debate. Leaders like Higgs are prepared to risk an election over an issue which has already been decided for too many parents across Canada and not in their favour. Parental rights and the rights of children may be at odds here. It is possible that standing up for the child means standing up for parents. An intelligent discussion about the issue is not helped by a PM throwing out political smears. Of course, such abusive language has become characteristic of the man who labelled peaceful protesters and anyone who refused injection with experimental COVID drugs, racists, misogynists and science deniers during the COVID-19 pandemic. Perhaps the only good that came from the pandemic lockdowns engineered by the Trudeau government is that parents, in great numbers, finally began to learn what was going on in the public school system as the corrupt curriculum was inadvertently beamed into their homes. This knowledge birthed an ever-growing backlash. Although protests and demonstrations have never been my thing, when I learned about the 20th of September 2023 A Million March for Children, I could not resist attending. I expected a sizable protest of diverse, concerned parents and their supporters, along with a loud counter-protest from the transgender lobby. I was not disappointed. In her book, Totalitarianism, Hannah Arendt wrote that the first order of business for aspiring totalitarian regimes is to get their hands on the nation's youngsters. Hence the Hitler Youth and the Soviet Young Pioneers. During Mao's Cultural Revolution, children were urged to turn against their parents. Similarly, in the early days of the mainly leftist kibbutz movement in Israel, children were raised in so-called children's homes, apart from their parents. Lenin is credited with writing, Give me a child till the age of seven, and I'll have him for life. Lenin sought to own children through indoctrination. The leftist utopian idea was always to use children to make a break with the past in order to create a brave new world. It is a powerful and seductive dream. Cultural genetics, unlike physical ones, are quite malleable. They are far simpler to modify in a deliberate global way than our physical genetics. Thus, in his acclaimed book entitled Pluto's Republic, Nobel Prize-winning microbiologist Peter Medawar observes that an entire culture can be transformed in a single generation. Published in 1982, Medawar's book now reads like a time capsule, a snapshot of scientific preoccupations as seen by one of his generation's great scientists, before DNA fingerprinting, before the Human Genome Project, before the identification of HIV or AIDS, before discovery of the hole in the ozone layer, before the first alarms about global warming, before the World Wide Web, before Voyager flew past Saturn, before Chernobyl, before the launches of the Muir and the Hubble Space Telescope, before tech giants, before the COVID-19 pandemic, and long before any political hand-wringing about public understanding of or engagement with science. It is a cautionary tale. One of the nation's largest Million March for Kids protests took place at Queen's Park in Toronto. There was a counter-protest group assembled and marching around the Parliament building. It was large, noisy, and angry, designed to frighten parental demonstrators away. A helicopter hovered overhead. There was a strong police presence, both on foot and on bicycles, ostensibly to keep demonstrators and their counterparts away from each other. 
that counter-protesters had bullhorns and banners from the teachers' unions and Marxist organizations. Their placards were all about being anti-hate, pro-love, pro-care, and respecting the rights of children. On the edge of the park, there were some women carrying flyers that said, Hands off our children. The demonstration was being controlled by police on horseback, but it was calm, peaceful, and large. Toronto is one of the most multicultural, multi-ethnic cities on earth, and the diversity of dress and race was quite apparent. Predictably, the legacy media had risibly alerted the public that this demonstration would be all white supremacist. What else could we expect from media that in Canada are bought and paid for by the Trudeau government? The placards, aside from demanding hands off our children, also cited big pharma exploitation, and one of them even claimed that the Iranian ayatollahs were funding the trans lobby. Well, who knows? In Canada, the trans lobby is incredibly well-funded, and the source of the money is far from obvious. Once upon a time, the erstwhile Soviet Union used to fund a North American and European ban-the-bomb movement. It is also said that even today, Russia is funding climate alarmists in the West. One of the speakers declaimed that Canada is a country of immigrants and that they came here looking for freedom and did not expect to find an ideology against freedom playing such a prominent role. He said that the trans movement does not represent real Canada. Many speakers expressed their religious beliefs, noting that the trans movement is not only anti-religious freedom and anti-religion generally, but had become a perverse religion itself. Demonstrators were exhorted not to fear reprisals such as job loss for speaking up about their concerns. The crowd looked like normal, everyday Canadians. One of the main themes was that our relationship with the government is a fiduciary one. When we send our children to public schools, which are government institutions, we entrust them to their care because we expect them to look after our children in our stead. By foisting the trans ideology and woke indoctrination upon them, the government betrays that trust. Parents and their supporters were urged to become active and to get involved in school board elections. In Victoria, police shut down the parental rights march within 15 minutes. Notable women's rights advocate Megan Murphy was only five minutes into her speech at the rally when police told organizers to shut down the event and to leave. The march planned for later in the day never happened. According to Victoria PD, a group of aggressive counter-protesters pushed past police and rushed the stage, creating an unsafe environment, and a decision was made to cease further planned activities. It seems that a contingent of rainbow-wearing counter-protesters, who support sex change surgeries for kids and giving information about fringe sex acts to teens, kept a safe distance from the stage. However, busloads of younger counter-protesters wearing black hoodies began arriving at the grounds, and streams of the masked agitators headed straight for the stage. One of them rushed the stage and punched a police officer in the head before being tackled to the ground by other officers. It was at that point that police simply shut down the entire affair. Meanwhile, Fred Hahn, who is the gay president of the Canadian Union of Public Employees of Ontario, joined counter-protesters at a march and pledged solidarity with Antifa. Drink that in for a moment. The head of the largest public union in Canada's biggest province is aligned with a leftist terrorist organization that has caused many deaths and billions in property damage in the last three years alone. He chose 
to stand with Antifa against parents marching in support of protecting children. So what is going on in this country, you ask? Well, every year, millions of parents entrust their children's educational well-being to a system that should prioritize their input and concerns. Instead, they find themselves belittled and voiceless in the face of union bosses and politicians who claim to care about parents but consistently work to destroy local control of education. This is not just about policy differences. It is about the very essence of democracy and the role of parents in shaping the futures of their children. In an ideal world, teachers and parents ought to work together to ensure the well-being of future generations. However, the trust that parents have in the educational system is eroding due to the likes of Justin Trudeau, who took to social media to roundly condemn the Million March for Kids. Quote, Let me make one thing very clear. Transphobia, homophobia, and biphobia have no place in this country. We strongly condemn this hate and its manifestations, and we stand united in support of 2SLGBTQI plus Canadians across the country. You are valid and you are valued. Trudeau speaks for a large group of leftist teachers, politicians, and union leaders who profess to have the best interests of millions of parents at heart, but whose actions tell a different story. They continually attempt to undermine local control of education, leaving parents feeling marginalized and excluded from the very system that should serve their children's needs. What parents want is an educational system that prepares their children for the challenges of the future. They want an educational landscape that values their input and partnerships with teachers. Instead, they are being used as pawns in current political and ideological battles, with their children's futures hanging in the balance. Parents are not looking to disrupt the educational system. Rather, they want to have a seat at the table, to be there for their children in their educational journey. Instead, they face roadblocks and resistance at every turn from those who should be their allies. The system is increasingly stacked against parental involvement, and this is detrimental to the education of our children. It is high time that the likes of Justin Trudeau and Fred Hahn be held accountable for their divisive words and actions. Parents and supporters of school choice and parental rights initiatives deserve better than to be unfairly targeted and accused of promoting bigoted rhetoric. They are advocates for a more welcoming and responsive educational system, one that empowers parents and respects their vital role in youth education. The battle for parental rights and a more responsive educational system is hardly a divisive or harmful enterprise. It is instead a call for greater cooperation between teachers and parents, a demand for a system that values the input of those who know their children best. Justin Trudeau's divisive rhetoric and attempts to undermine local control of education are counterproductive and damaging to the very children he claims to care so much about. It is time to put aside such rhetoric and work together to create a better educational future for our children, one that respects the rights and voices of parents. Mass protests in support of freedom are arguably the essence of real democracy, unless democracy just means rule by elites. In that case, the real democracy must be punished as insurrectionist treason. The people must be made to believe that they are governing themselves, but can never be allowed to actually do so. 
The ruling class will spy on, harass, intimidate, imprison, and torture us. If doing so, will preserve the illusion of a stable democracy. Any Canadian who opposes the Trudeau regime is, after all, only pushing some dangerous form of populism that must be ignored. Much as the magnanimous abuser justifies physical harm for the victim's own good, the Trudeau government has decided that the best way to save democracy is to beat the Canadian people into submission. Only once we have been coerced into a state of mute compliance will our privileges be restored. When the ruling class says that right-wing parents are a threat to democracy, what it means is that any political movement operating outside of its control is a threat to the continued dictatorship of the Trudeau regime. What then is the opposite of the Trudeau brand of democracy? The answer is simple. Freedom. The only unique form of government is a political system that respects personal liberty and private property, which intrinsically protects individual freedom from government intrusion. The only system that truly values the will of the people is one that recognizes inalienable rights as belonging exclusively to each individual, immune from government infringement, no matter how compelling the government's justification. Any form of government that treats rights and freedoms as mere privileges that can be watered down during times of emergency is, in fact, just another dictatorial system run by a ruling class of so-called elites. It matters little if you live within a democracy if you remain a slave inside the state's cage. State control versus individual freedom is the only contest that really matters. It is the contest that will continue to define the course of this century. It is no surprise, then, that Western governments speak so seldomly about inalienable rights and freedoms, but so often about hate speech, disinformation, climate change, and COVID. Speaking about liberty reminds we common people that there are limits to the powers of any legitimate government. Inventing new things for people to fear, however, often clouds their reason just enough to steal their rights away, even their parental rights. So, what can we expect to come next? If history is our teacher, then the answer is obvious. Conflict comes next. No matter how sophisticated the state becomes, more people will resist. They will march. They will protest. They will fight. No matter how coercive central digital bank currencies and social credit scores become, more people will choose to fight for their freedoms. In fact, the more oppressive the overall system is, the more people will commit themselves to combating it, no matter the cost. There are many recurring themes to history, but none so consistent as this. Wherever tyranny takes hold, movements for freedom grow powerful. There's a quotation from Mel Gibson's famous portrayal of William Wallace in the iconic film Braveheart, which applies today. Quote, There's a difference between us. You think the people of this land exist to provide you with position. I think your position exists to provide those people with freedom. End quote. No matter how much this government tries to censor, abuse, and oppress us, the people will eventually have our say. The Freedom Convoy and the Million March for Kids both proved that the spirit of freedom has been awakened in Canada and that it is an unstoppable force opposed by a very movable object, our own apathy. We close with a quotation from St. Thomas More, the patron saint of all lawyers, who once famously wrote that two evils, greed and faction, are the destruction of all justice. <laughs> <laughs>